Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that you are here. Again, if you're a guest of ours, we're especially honored to have you with us. We are in week five of Every Witness a Believer, which means everybody here needs to have a week five handout. If you didn't get one of those, raise your hand. You need something to write with today, too. If you need a handout or a pen, raise your hand. We will make sure everybody has a week five handout and everybody has something to write with as well. And also, I want to thank uh, song leaders and everybody involved with our public worship during this series, giving me a little more time uh, on these uh, on these lessons. A lot of information that we're trying to get through. So I know that we're sort of compacted things. Um, in a couple of weeks, we'll get back to our regular schedule, I guess. But uh, we've got a lot of information to share. We've been talking for, the, for several weeks now about talking about Jesus with our friends and neighbors, being a witness. And we've identified what a witness is and what a witness does. They just tell what they personally know to be true, what they themselves have actually seen and heard and experienced. And we've been focusing on our Jesus story. Telling people our story. We've used the template that Paul used in the book of Acts. Focusing on telling people about our life before we met Jesus. How we came to know Jesus. And our life since we met Jesus. And for the past two weeks you have been challenged to share with someone or at least attempt to share with someone your Jesus story. And I was wondering if there might be someone here this morning who would share with us your Jesus-sharing experience. Not your story, but would anybody be willing to share just, here's how it went, I tried to tell my story to somebody, and here's how it went, no matter how it went. Anybody willing to share your Jesus-telling? Very good. Charles, I'm going to come down to you. Stand up. Tell us just in 30 seconds, 40 seconds, your, your experience of what happened. Well, my experience what happened was really unique because after I shared with them, they really um, opened up to me. Thank you. They opened up to me and started asking questions about, like, what does Jesus mean to me? And just being able to create that dialogue. So I, I really accounted that to the Holy Spirit working. So that's my experience. Was it someone you worked with? Someone no, it was actually just um, the Spirit provoked me. I was at Crunch Gym where I work out at, and it was like, you know what? Let's talk about it. Here's the opportunity. And how did it how did it come up that you actually somehow got talking about Jesus? Well, I just kind of I started talking to them, or asking them questions more so. So I asked them like, "What does Jesus mean to you?" And kind of just you know going from there, and then that's where the dialogue created and and just sustained from. Awesome! Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Give him a hand. He didn't he didn't let fear stop him. Real quick, anyone else want to share your Jesus telling experience? Is Charles the only one in the last two weeks? It is <laughs> Gloria. Very briefly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some Jehovah Witness came to my house, and I got to talk to them. And you couldn't miss it, could you? They, you had, they had a captive audience, but you captivated, and you shared your Jesus story. Where is God going to take that? I don't know. That's not up to us to decide where God takes it. We're just told to go and tell and share. Okay, week five, developing know-how. What do we say 
part three. How will we go about telling our story? This morning, we're going to focus on kind of honing your personal story. Ways that we can sharpen your story a little bit. Abraham Lincoln once said, if I have six hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first hour sharpening the axe. We want to be ready when we get the opportunity. We want to be prepared to talk to people about Jesus. And the reality is, you're not always going to have 20 or 30 minutes at the gym. You're not always going to have somebody knock on your door that's like, we've got all day to stand here. Most of the time, you're probably going to be at work or at school or you know shopping, and you don't have a whole lot of time. Sometimes you will, but a lot of times you don't. Can we still tell our Jesus story in those brief encounters with people? And the answer is yes. And we're going to learn how to do that this morning. Um, in a concise way, share our story. You know, every Sunday I get up here and it's my job to talk. It's your job to listen. If you get finished before I do, we got a problem. <laughs> When you're talking to someone about Jesus and they quit listening before you quit talking, you're not accomplishing a whole lot. So we want to share our story in a concise way. Uh, look at page three. Again, three parts to our story outline. My life before I met Jesus. How I came to accept Jesus into my life. My life since Jesus came in. And notice, you don't have an entire page this time. You've only got a couple lines to write that part of your Jesus story. So this morning, I want you to take just a couple minutes and very briefly fill out those three parts, again, of your Jesus story. You've done it a couple weeks ago. It should be easier this time. And remember, when you talk about your life before Jesus, you want to be open. You want to be honest. You know, just tell what you did and how you felt. When you talk about how you came to know Jesus, be sure you include the gospel. Be sure you give Jesus the credit and the glory for coming and dying on the cross and God raising him back to life. And then your life since Jesus came in, not perfect, but changed. You know, you're going to want to brag on God in that part of your story. God's faithfulness and His promises and blessings. So, take just a couple minutes. You only get one song this morning to fill out those three sections. So, uh, Share your Jesus story. There's a place of quiet stillness Between the light and shadows reach Where the hurting and the hopeless Seek everlasting peace Words of men Comfort bittersweet, mending grief, and life eternal, where joy and sorrow meet. There's a place the lost surrender, and the And mercy tender in times of unbelief for the wounded there is healing strength is given to the 
finished, look up. I wonder, is there anyone here who would be willing to share with us what you have just written, your condensed Jesus story? And I'm going to ask what I did before, somebody that's never spoken up in church before. Somebody that's never stood up and, okay, I've, okay. I'm not going to ask you to ad lib, Aloha. I just want you to read what you wrote. I always knew Jesus, but I didn't always own him as my own Savior. Jesus was the center of our home, but it took me till I was older to realize that, yes, I did own him as my Savior. I was baptized at 13. I know what I should do and why to be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins, but I had to grow into my own faith. I was obedient, but I had to grow. My life since Jesus came in, there's peace, comfort, safety, always somewhere to turn when I feel hopeless, a family of God, God's people to help me on my journey, the hope of heaven. Thank you, Aloha. Aloha just spent 40 seconds and told her Jesus story. An amazing story. How could someone, the child of Dale and Raylene Larson, have an interesting, amazing Jesus story? Aloha just told an interesting, amazing Jesus story about a life that was changed because of Jesus. Anyone else be willing to share what they've just written? Do it. Just read what you wrote. I was lost. Is it on? Hello? Yep. Oh, here we go. I was lost, wasn't totally committed to following Christ. How I came to accept Jesus in my life, 
was invited to the church, became part of a local Bible study, developed personal relationships, studied the Bible, counted the cost of following Jesus, was baptized. Uh, my life since uh, Jesus um, has been dedicated, has been a dedicated member for 33 years, attended leadership training, became a deacon in the church, is working on becoming a better witness for Christ. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, show them your appreciation for having the willingness to, to share their story. Both Aloha and DeWitt, if you're paying attention, they, they shared a lot of information in a really short amount of time. So thanks for doing that. Um, listen, your story is worth sharing. People will listen to your story. But one of the biggest challenges that we face and one of the reoccurring comments that I keep hearing is, but I don't know how to get started. I don't know how to bring it up. I feel so awkward trying to talk to people about Jesus. How do I do it? So this morning on page three, I want to talk about openings to sharing your testimony. How do you bring it up? How do you start the conversation? And I've already told you, you can use me, okay? You can tell people, listen, we're doing this thing at church about telling our Jesus story, and the preacher challenged us, and I said I'd do it, and now I've got to tell somebody. Would you do me a favor? Could I tell you my story, and that way I can say that I did what I said I would do? Could, could you do me that favor? And you can tell them your Jesus story. And that works quite often, but it doesn't work all the time. So I want to share with you some strategies, some, some openings to sharing your testimony. And the first is this. Listen for people sharing experiences like yours. Listen for people who share experience, things that you have in common with other people. I don't think I'm telling any secrets here when I tell you that my wife is a huge University of Alabama football fan. Uh, she lives and dies with the Crimson Tide. She gets it honestly. She was born and raised in Birmingham. She you know, came from a football-crazy family. She's the real deal. And her casual wardrobe reflects her allegiance to the University of Alabama. Martha has a lot of shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, pants, socks, scarves, <laughs> earrings, bracelets. She has a lot of stuff that has that Alabama A on it. And when we go out in public and she is wearing something Alabama, there's something about that fan base and it is universal. And this happens all the time. When someone sees Martha wearing an Alabama something and they happen to be an Alabama fan, they are compelled to say, Roll Tide. That, that's it, Roll Tide. They, they make eye contact, nod their head, smile, roll tide. And then Martha is compelled, I mean, it's in some unwritten law somewhere, to shake her hand and say, roll tide. It's universal, and it happens all the time. We were at Publix during football season. We're getting out of our car. Five rows over, some guy's getting into his car. Hey! He sees Martha. Hey! Hey! Roll tide! And we're like, we're in Plant City, right? Yeah, roll Tide. I have heard Roll Tide yelled at weddings. I have. I have heard Roll Tide whispered at funerals. I have. 
there is a connection there with those people. <laughs> and I say those people. I mean, there is a real connection there. We need to have our radar on high alert for people that we have some connection with. For people that we have some kind of shared experience, something that we have in common. Listen for people who are talking about divorce or aging parents or struggling with their children or raising wonderful children or you know, frustrations over student loans or you know, young babies or empty nesters. Pay attention for people that have experiences just like you and use those shared experiences to start a conversation. And take that conversation where they need that conversation to go. I don't have to give you a bunch of examples of that. You're smart enough to know to do that. But listen for those shared experiences, which sort of goes along with number two on, on your handout there. Listen for people sharing emotions like yours. When you hear people talking about depression or loneliness, insecurity, fear, doubt, pay attention to those kind of emotions because there's some way that you can relate to that. You know, you hear someone talking about loneliness. I remember a time that I was lonely. I just graduated from college. I hadn't yet been married. I was living alone. I was in a job that I didn't like. I didn't talk to anybody all day long. Um, I was engaged to be married, but Martha was still living in Alabama. I was lonely. I was really lonely. But it was in that period of my life that I really started looking at Scripture different. And I really felt myself drawing closer and closer to God during that season of loneliness for me. You know, if I'm talking to somebody this lonely, I, I can relate to that. And I can start a conversation on a spiritual level about that. You're telling your Jesus story before you know it. And then number three on the list, listen and look for opportunities in current events, tragedies, human interest stories, world events. People are passionate about those things. People want to talk about those things. You know, current events sometimes can be a wonderful way to start talking about Jesus and, and God's role in the world. Two weeks ago, I asked people to you know, share their story the first time we wrote it. During second service, Gina Godwin stood up and shared her story. Gina's, I think, 19 years old. Um, she was standing right over back here. I went over and held the microphone for her. When she got to the, since Jesus came into my life part, the first thing Gina said was, New York State is passing an uh, abortion bill that changes that time frame. And I could tell Gina was getting emotional. And I was thinking to myself, okay, where are you going with this? But what she said was, if I wasn't a Christian, I know I'd hate those people and the decisions that they're making. But I'm a Christian. I can't hate those people. Because I realize only Jesus makes a difference in the world. And as a Christian, I have to love people, even when I disagree with what they're saying or what they're doing. And I've got to point them to Jesus, even people I disagree with. And I'm thinking as she's talking, wow. Great. Way to go. Right on. Because she could have closed so many doors talking about that same subject in a different way. But instead, she was talking about a subject that a lot of people feel very passionately about, and she took it straight to Jesus. Well, Jesus is the answer. Um, 
We, we can use current events for open doors. And I'm going to tell you, just this is just me, just personally. This is just Tim's advice. When you're trying to have a conversation about Jesus, I suggest you stay away from politics. Um, you know, we are so divided politically in this country. Other than to say Jesus is the answer, but we are so divided and there's so much hate uh, politically. And I don't know any other word for it other than hate. But if I want to talk to somebody about Jesus, I want to start from a platform of love and compassion and acceptance. I don't want to start from a position of divisiveness and, and hatred and dissension. Now, I love America. And I am a patriotic guy. But I'll agree with the Apostle Paul when he said, my citizenship is in heaven. Now, regardless of what's going on politically around me, I'm going to keep my eye on the big picture here. Um, I want to point people to Jesus. And, and that's my goal. Uh, I want to have a productive dialogue with people. I don't want to win an argument. I want to put people in their place. So, yeah. Listen and look for opportunities in current events. Number four, make leading statements. Make leading statements. Be intentional about how you talk to people. And I'll tell you what I'm give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, every Sunday, I stand out. Usually, Martha and I stand in the lobby out here, and we try to talk to people as they come in for first service and second service. I try to shake people's hands. Um, you know, greet people. And I do that for me, by the way, because I need the encouragement. And I need some, you know, I need a little juice before uh, uh, the worship service starts. And so I get out there and I love meeting people and I love the hugs that I get because I need that. Every Sunday morning, Ronnie McCullough walks in. Every Sunday morning, I shake Ronnie's hand. How you doing, Ronnie? Every Sunday, Ronnie says the same thing. Big smile. Blessed. I'm blessed, brother. And he walks on in. And I'm thinking, hey, me too. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, he's already sitting down. But he's immediately taken and putting me on a spiritual place. He's turned the, my thought to God. I'm blessed, brother. That's, that's a whole lot better than doing great. That's what I usually say. You know, we live in, in the sunshine state, right? This time of year, isn't the weather something? Oh, man. I love the weather. My entire life, my mother said this about any day. Beautiful day, terrible day. This is a day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. I heard that every day of my life. I continue to hear it. She taught school. She'd say that to her students. She sold real estate. She'd say that to her clients. She worked in retail. She said that to the customers, whether it was a beautiful day or not. This is a day the Lord has made. I rejoice and be glad in it. She used the weather to kind of say, listen, I'm ready to talk about God. Uh, use the weather to, to point people towards God. I'm thinking about God. It, it's an opportunity for us. And I'm going to share a fifth opening that, that's not in your notes, but it's 2019, and, and I think it should be in your notes. You might want to pencil it in. Use social media for good. Now, the world we live in, social media is a powerful force. And I'm going to confess to you, I don't use social media. I do not have a presence on social media. Part of me wishes I did because I realize how powerful it is. Um, you check my Facebook page, there's nothing on it but things my kids have tagged me in. 
I follow five people on Instagram. I think six follow me. I just don't have a, a platform on, on social media. But it is a force. And any old-timers like me that will try to tell you it's not that big a deal, they don't know what they're talking about. It is powerful. In fact, I don't know anything that, that pushes public opinion in today's society like social media. And I am, I am sickened and I am saddened when I read things on social media written by people who claim to be ambassadors for Christ. It just saddens me. But then I am so encouraged and I am so blessed and I feel so much joy and happiness when I look on social media and I see things that Jeremy Shelton puts on there or I see things that Laura Mays puts on there or Robbie John and his wife Joanne, or Melanie Rivenbark, Ernestine Moss, and I'm sure a lot more of you who are just not friends on social media, because I don't do much with it. But it is so encouraging to see people using that platform to talk to people and point people to God. Martha shared with me, Bridget Creation, this past week, she told her story on social media. She just placed her story on social media and there were dozens of comments, of conversations that were started because Bridget shared what you just wrote five minutes ago on social media. It is a powerful, powerful medium. We need to take advantage of it. Robert Frost once said that half the world's composed of people who have something to say and no way to say it. The other half is composed of people who have nothing to say and can't stop saying it. You know, he's way ahead of his time. You know, that's social media, right? But we can use it for good. Now, do those strategies mean that you're going to talk to everybody about Jesus? Nope. These strategies mean that you're going to talk to most people about Jesus? Nope. But if we carry through with these strategies, I promise you're going to talk to some people about Jesus. And you're going to have opportunities to tell your story. But we have to be intentional. We've got to be intentional about it. And here's why. The vast majority of your friends, the vast majority of people that you go to work with, go to school with, that you meet you know, socially in your neighborhood, most of those people aren't thinking one thought about heaven or hell. It is nowhere on their radar. They're not thinking about God. They're not thinking about Jesus. You know what almost everyone you meet is thinking about? How am I going to get through the week? No, how am, I, how am I going to strengthen my marriage? What am I going to do about my kids? How am I going to pay my bills? No, they're not thinking about getting to heaven. They're thinking about getting to Friday. You know, I've got to get the car to the shop. How am I going to pay for it when I get there? Those are the things that they're thinking about. That's what's consuming their thoughts. That's why we have to seize every opportunity that we can and try to turn their thoughts towards God. Taking people right where they are and saying, listen, let me tell you about something that's made a difference in my life. Let me tell you about something that, you know, you're talking about kids, you're talking about finances. Can I share something that, that's worked in, in my life? Because only through Jesus do, do priorities get reevaluated and hope gets restored and joy gets renewed and that peace that everybody's looking for becomes real. And Jesus, by the way, is the perfect example 
of how to start conversations and head toward a spiritual plane. Think about Jesus' own strategies. You know, in John chapter 4, Jesus meets this Samaritan woman at the well. We know the story very, very well. He approaches a woman who has been married five times. That's a lot in our culture, to be married five times. She's been married five times. In fact, she's living with a man who's not her husband. So this is a woman with a past. And Jesus could have approached this woman and gone straight there. You've been married five times and you're living with somebody now who's not your husband. He could have gone straight there, but he doesn't. Instead, he finds some common ground with this woman. What was the woman doing at the well? She was getting water. Yeah. She was thirsty. Jesus said, hey, I'm thirsty too. We have something in common here. Two people that had almost nothing in common, a Jewish rabbi and a Samaritan woman. But Jesus says, listen, we have something in common here. You're thirsty. I'm thirsty. And he starts a conversation. And then he takes that conversation. He starts talking about water. But he directs that conversation to living water. And then he directs that conversation to the Messiah. And then he starts talking about her life. And then he starts talking about her needs. And now he has drawn her into this conversation. You know, there are so many ways and there are so many reasons that he could have stiff-armed that woman. You know, he could have slammed a door so quickly and walked away right. And walked away feeling justified. But instead, he uses his conversation to draw this lady into the life-changing news that she needs to hear. John 4 is a great example of taking people right where they are and pointing them to where they need to be. You know, that's our goal. To to engage people to want to listen to a story about Jesus. You know, our goal is to talk to people and have them say, Me too! Not, so what? Again, we're not trying to win an argument. We're not trying to impose our will on somebody. We're just trying to introduce people to Jesus. On the back of your handout, page 4, let me very quickly share with you three tips on witnessing. And the first is this. It's different sharing your testimony in one-time meetings than with regular friends and acquaintances. If you only have one chance to talk to somebody, I'm going to treat that differently than if it's somebody that I work with, somebody that I go to school with, somebody that I see on a regular basis. Um, I still have to be intentional. I still want to be intentional about where this conversation is going, but it's going to be a little different if I know I've got a lot of time or other opportunities. And I'll give you a a story that's a little bit of an analogy. Um, Two years ago, Martha and I were at a a Rays game, and we got there early. We're sitting in the outfield. We got there for batting practice. And a couple came and sat down right in front of us. And we pretty quickly learned that they were visiting America for the first time and that this was their very first baseball game. Not their first live baseball game, the first time they'd ever seen baseball in their lives. They didn't know anything about the game. So they turned around and we were talking to them and they were, they were asking some questions about baseball. And his first question was, is it anything like cricket? And I said, how would I know? I have no idea what cricket's like. I don't know any rules of cricket. I know a little bit about baseball though. Let me explain some rules to you. Now, you would think it would be easy to explain someone the rules of baseball. It's a simple game, right? 
But if you want to try to explain the nuances and the strategies of, of baseball, it's hard, isn't it, Gary? Gary's a baseball player. It's a complicated game. So I'm telling people about I'm telling these people about baseball, and before I know it, I'm talking about the infield fly rule. <laughs> and I'm talking about double steals and box and fast balls, and they're glazed over. Now when Martha leans forward and says, listen, the team that's out in the field, they're trying to get three outs. There's different ways to do that. And once they get three outs, it's their turn to bat. And every time they can get one person all the way around the bases and cross home place where they all started, they get one point, one run. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they start watching the game, and then for the next three and a half hours, for the next nine innings, every time something happened, they turn around, what just happened? You know, why isn't he out? Why, why was that fair? What, what just happened? And we would explain that part of baseball to them. And it was kind of a neat evening, really. Uh, but we had a lot of time to sort of explain the, the game to them. Um, if you know you're going to have a lot of conversations with people, you don't have to tell them everything you know in the first conversation, but you do have to open the door. You do have to start a conversation Again, if it's a one-time thing, be sure you're sharing the gospel. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Uh, be sure people hear that. And talking about friends and acquaintances, let me say this. I think some of the hardest people to share Jesus with are our friends and acquaintances. Family members, the people we know the best. Because we've known them for 10, 20, 30 years and we've never said anything before. Let me tell you, starting right now, you've got a clean slate on talking to people about Jesus and sharing your story. You've got a clean slate starting right now. And again, you can use the preacher, okay? You go to somebody that you've known and loved for a long time. You know, uh, me and Tyrone, we've been working together for years, say. I can go to Tyrone and say, listen, Tyrone, I owe you an apology. What? What? What are you an apology for? Well, listen, you, you know I go to church. You know I'm a Christian. And we're talking about this thing at church. Our preacher's been talking about telling people our Jesus story. And it's occurred to me, as long as I've known you, I've never talked to you about Jesus. And I, and I want to apologize for that. That's fine. Don't worry about that. No big deal. No, really, I, I, need, your, I need your forgiveness because, you know, before Jesus came into my life, I was a mess. You know, I, I was lost and I was lonely and I was searching. And then this guy uh, talked to me. And before I know it, I'm talking to Tyrone about my Jesus story. I'm telling them my story. And, and I'm, all I'm doing is saying, listen, I'm sorry it's taken me this long, but this is important to me. Let me tell you something that's on my heart. Where's God going to take that? I don't know. It's not up to me where God takes it. What's up to me is to talk about Jesus, especially with the people I know and love the best. Um, Number two on the back page, expect mixed results. You can expect mixed results. I've got Acts 17 on the board there. Acts 17 is Paul on Mars Hill, um, which is a wonderful example of the Apostle Paul taking a situation where he's surrounded by idols and he takes the, what's going on around him and he's pointing people to Jesus. Wow, you guys are religious. Me too. Let's talk about it. In fact, here's an unknown God statue. Let me talk about him. 
A wonderful example of paying attention on how to get a conversation started. But notice what verses 32 and 34 say. When they heard Paul speak of the resurrection of a person who had been dead, some laughed. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. But some joined them and became believers. Some laughed. It's silly. Huh. You're a fool. Some, sounds like, kind of politely said, thanks, you know, maybe later. But some believed, joined them, became believers. And notice what it was that Paul was talking about that caused that response. What was he speaking about? The resurrection. He's talking about the gospel to people, and the gospel evokes a response. The gospel, not our testimony, is where the power is. The power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's the gospel. And again, where that leads, it's not up to us. And then number three. Remember, inviting people to church is good, but it's not going. It's not going. I, uh, I've got the Great Commission on the board there. We, we know it by heart. Last thing Jesus said before He went back to the Father, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Go. I want my people to go to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've commanded. I'm not saying that coming here is not important. And I'm not saying that inviting people to church is a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. Please do it. Keep doing it. I'm just going to remind you of something I said a couple weeks ago. Most of the people that we know, most of the people you work with, most of the people you go to school with, they're not coming through those doors. They just aren't. So we're going to have to go to them. We're going to have to reach out. We're going to have to, to share Jesus with them. At the end of every one of these lessons, we have ended with a challenge. And the challenge should start being uh, familiar to you. The bottom of the page. This week, share your story with two people. Attempt to share your story with two people. We've talked about sharing it in a concise way that people will listen Talked about five strategies for opening up your, the story, three tips on sharing. But you know, if it stays right here, if it just stays inside this building, we've just wasted our time. We've just wasted 40 minutes if we hear it but don't do anything with it. In fact, James would tell you, you're a fool if all you do is hear and not do what God tells you to do. So, will you commit to telling two people your story this week. That's all I'm asking you to do. And where God takes it, that's up to God. Let's end with a prayer. Lord, we want to obey You in witnessing. I pray that You would help us to care about our co-workers and our classmates and our friends and our neighbors and the family the way You care about them. In Jesus' name, Amen. We've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning. As always, if you've got something on your heart that you want to share with the family here, there'll be some people at the front of the auditorium. You can meet us there. Let's stand and sing.